Hey, Happy New Year's, friends. It's hard to believe that the holidays are already over and we're at the start of a brand new year. And I know a lot of people, at least from what I'm seeing on social media, are none too thrilled about wishing 2020 goodbye. And the reality is just changing the calendar to a new page and the start of a new year doesn't automatically make anything different or better, but at least it feels like we're moving forward. And at the beginning of a new year, it's common to set some goals. And we, we have some goals here on the Bible and Life Ministry, the Bible and Life online resources, some things like I, I, with the listener's commentary, which is the other podcast, the other recording ministry I do. If you haven't checked that out, you should check out the listener's commentary. I just teach straight through Bible books. But my plan is at least beginning this year, I'm going to work through Luke and Acts. And together, Luke and Acts make about a third of the New Testament. So that's a huge project. So that's one of my goals for the year is to get Luke and Acts done on the commentary. And then we'll see where we go from there, what other books we do after that. Got some ideas for that. Uh, Another goal I have is to be more intentional in working with churches and serving churches. As far as my core training for Christians curriculum goes, helping churches, adding some new courses, Lord willing, I want to add a reasons for belief course to that uh, series of curriculum there. So that's one of my goals for the year. So we're working on some things over here uh, on the ministry side. But personally, my big goal for the year is to really re-zero in on, refocus on living as a disciple of Jesus. And it's not that I haven't been doing that. It's just like there's so many other voices and so many things to listen to and so many things to focus on that it's really easy to kind of get pulled in multiple ways. And this year, I am making it my number one ambition, my number one focus, simply to live as a disciple of Jesus and let Jesus show me and teach me and lead me how to live my life. And I would invite you to join me on that journey that to me, that's really our primary ambition as a follower of Jesus. We have really only one main thing that's necessary and needful, and that one main thing is to live as a disciple of Jesus. So I'd love to see you join me in that endeavor, if you would, here in 2021. And in that spirit, what I want to talk about on this first episode of the new year is four tips for deepening your relationship with God this year. Four tips. Obviously, there's way more than four things we could talk about, but these are four things that I think are key and central that will help myself and help you walk more closely to God and live more fully as a disciple of Jesus. So with that, let's jump into four tips to help you deepen your walk with God this year. The reality is our walk with God doesn't happen on accident. We live in a world that can pull us away from God in so many different ways. And so if we're going to have the kind of relationship with God that we want to have, if we're going to live fully as a disciple of Jesus, it's going to take intentional effort on our part. It's not just something that we drift into. It's not just an accident. It takes intentional effort effort on our part to grow in our walk with God and to live as a disciple of Jesus. And so four tips for walking with God this year that'll deepen your walk with God. Here's the first one. Here's the first tip I want to give you, and that's this. Slow down. Slow down. Try to picture right now, maybe uh, close your eyes even, and picture with me, if you will, a, a large lake. 
maybe even a sea, a large body of water. Picture it early in the morning. The air is perfectly still and the lake is glassy smooth. Can you see it? Everything is quiet. Now, picture the same lake at a different time of day. A storm has moved in. The sky is dark and angry. The winds are blowing and the lake is no longer glassy smooth. The lake is gray and the waves are raging, right? There's white caps and chop everywhere. And it's, it's, uh, it's an angry lake, right? Um, which one is more like your soul? That smooth, calm, glassy sea? Or the tumultuous, stirred up by winds and trouble sea? Which one is more like your soul? Um, somebody once said, muddy waters become clear if they're allowed to just be still for a while. And so when it comes to deepening our walk with God, this idea of slowing down, being still, Ah, oh, man, that, that can bring so much depth to our life and to our relationship with God. And so how do we do that? What are we talking about when we say slow down? Well, obviously, we're talking about slow down your activity, right? That's one of the key things. Slow down your activity, yes. Put maybe fewer things on your to-do list. Put more margin in your days. Slow down your activity. But along with that, also, slow down your soul. Slow down your heart. Slow down your inner being. Um, our activity is sometimes the cause of a tumultuous, rushing soul, but sometimes it's the effect. In other words, hurry, rushing is a soul issue. And where our heart and our soul isn't at rest, then that can lead to just a, a disordered, upset hurry sort of life. It's chasing after this. It's running after that. It's not being content with the life that God has given us. It's striving and wrestling and wanting more and uh, chasing after it. And so I want to invite you this year to slow down. Flourishing as a human being needs slowing down. And so I want to invite you this year to attend to God attend to people, attend to life, and to quit rushing. Personally, I'm not good at that. And it's something I constantly am working on. And so this year, as I try to live more intentionally as a disciple of Jesus, this is one of my goals. I'm going to try to slow down more. Pete Scazzaro, don't know if you're familiar with that name, but he's written a number of books, Emotionally Healthy Church, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Emotionally Healthy Leadership, um, Pete Scazzaro, over and over and over again, in his books, in his podcasts, uh, in all his teaching, in his Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, over and over, Pete Scazzaro reminds us of our need for a slowed down spirituality. And 
to pursue that, to do that, is to resist the spirit of the age that tells us we have to do more, we have to get more in order to be more. And even in the church, there's this pressure to go, 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 to do, 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 serve, give, do, have some big ambition, and make sure you're pursuing your passion, do this, do that. And it's this false idea that we constantly have to achieve and accomplish and be busy in order to please God. Uh, and I think that is a falsehood that we have adopted from our culture, not from Jesus. In fact, if you watch Jesus, Jesus is frequently getting away from the crowds. Jesus is frequently going at a slow pace, right? He doesn't seem harried. He doesn't seem frenetic. I mean, if anyone should have had a Messiah complex, it should have been Jesus, the Messiah. And he doesn't seem to have had that. And he's willing to leave people behind. He's willing to slow down. He carves out space into his life. Uh, and so if we want to deepen our walk with God, we're going to need to imitate Jesus and slow down our life. Slow waters are deep waters. And that means literally slowing our pace down, the speed at which we move through the world, right? Like, literally slow our pace down. One of the places I actually need to work on this and try to work on this is just driving. I tend to want just to get where I'm going. And so I get in a hurry and I can feel the hurry and the agitation actually stir up in my soul. And so that's one place where I need to slow my pace down, literally slow my pace down, slow my pace at which I walk, slow my pace at which I just move through the world literally slow down our pace. Also, slowing down means pay attention to our schedule. What's on our schedule? And why is it on our schedule? Does it make sense for it to be on our schedule? Did I just put that on there because I didn't want to disappoint somebody else? Why, why are things on our schedule and what's on it? How much margin do we have in our life? Commit to margin. Slowing down is involves committing to margin. So slow down. If you want a deeper walk with God this year, then practice a slow down spirituality. To learn more about that, I would invite you to tap into the work of Peter Scazzaro. You can start by checking out his podcast, Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast, and he has some great tips there. You can check out his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Another uh, book I would also encourage you to read is by uh, John Mark Comer called Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. All right, so slow down. That's tip number one. Tip number one. Closely related to that, tip number two is this. Tame distraction. Tame distraction. I didn't say eliminate distraction because I don't know that we're going to fully be able to eliminate it. But we're going to have to tame it. We're going to have to rein it in. We're going to have to take charge of what we allow to come across the mental screen of our mind. And we're going to have to learn how to focus again. Tame distraction. Smartphones are a huge part of the problem here. Um, according to the research... Catch this. This is shocking to me. According to the research, the typical cell phone user touches his or her phone, listen, 2,617 times every day. Every day. Think about that. The typical cell phone user touches his or her phone 2,617 times every day. So let's say that you sleep for seven hours. Most people actually sleep more than that, even though they often think they sleep less. But most people, at least in the USA, sleep more than seven hours a day. But let's just say, for easy math, you sleep seven hours a day. That leaves 17 hours that you're awake. So 
That amounts to touching your phone about 154 times an hour. 154 times an hour. Man, that leads to a massive distraction problem. And as a result, we don't know how to focus. We just don't know how to focus. In fact, uh, they actually say, I, I don't know how researchers do these tests, but another uh, study says that the average attention span um, is at an all-time low. It is now down to eight seconds. Eight seconds is the average attention span. And, and here's what's shocking. That's actually less than a goldfish. A goldfish has a nine-second attention span. So you have an attention span due to uh, Netflix and Hulu and your smartphone and everything else that distracts us. You have an attention span less than a goldfish if you're average. Man, that's a problem, right? God has a lot to say about what fills our mind because what you fix your mind on shapes your life. And so we're going to have to learn to focus and focus on the right things. For example, uh, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, very, very well-known passage about this. But in the context of saying, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Or Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth, right? Like what you do with your mind shapes your life. And here we are living in a culture where we have these smartphones, we were bombarded with all this information, all these messages, all these different ideas that are from the culture around us, from the world around us, not necessarily from God. Uh, and so if we want to deepen our walk with God, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to tame distraction. If we're going to be renewed or transformed by the renewing of our mind, we're going to have to tame distraction. And we're going to have to retrain our mind how to focus. So some tips for that. Be intentional with social media. Don't just Assume you have to be on every social media platform because culture tells you to. Think of social media as tools, right? Um, think of even YouTube and Netflix as tools. And you don't have to eliminate them, per se. You just have to be intentional with them. Which tools do you need and why do you need them? Do the benefits of being on whatever platform you're on uh, outweigh the drawbacks? So, you know, like being on Instagram, like having that app on your phone, do, do the benefits outweigh the drawbacks for you and for your life goals and for your family and for who you want to be? If the benefits outweigh the drawbacks, then keep the app on your phone and just keep Use it as a tool for those purposes and keep it in its place, right? We're going to have to be intentional about that. Another tip in order to tame distraction is practice silence. Practice silence. Don't fill every waking moment with noise, noise of various kinds, right? When you go to the bathroom, why do you have to take your phone? Maybe you don't need to fill your mind with noise, right? Uh, when you stand in line at the store and you instantly grab your phone and you start scrolling, right? Like, why do we have to fill every waking moment with noise? In fact, um, a well-known mathematician and philosopher from uh, several centuries ago, 
Pascal, Blaise Pascal, actually said, virtually every human problem could be solved if we could learn to just sit quietly in our own room for a while. And he actually goes on to say, but instead, we fill our time with diversions. This was in the, the 1700s. It's only worse now. Um, we need to learn how to practice silence. Practice silence. And then a, a third tip for taming distraction is culti cultivate literal quiet spaces and quiet moments. Get up a little early when the house is still quiet and just be still, be quiet, or stay up a little longer after everyone's gone to bed and don't lay on the couch and scroll through your phone. Just be still, be quiet, take quiet walks in nature. Um, Jesus, we're his disciples, right? So we want to imitate him. Jesus, the text tells us, often got up early while it was still dark and went to a solitary place to pray. He went to a quiet place to pray. So if Jesus needed that, so do we, right? We're not going to grow in our walk with God if we don't tame all the distracting voices that clamor for our attention. So tame distraction. Um, tip number three. So we've got uh, we, we've got slow down. We've got tame distraction. Tame number three is just the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. All right. Again, this is familiar to us. You're listening to the Bible on my podcast because you love the Bible. You want to learn the Bible. You want to uh, you want the Bible to be a part of your life. So this is nothing new. Don't have to spend a whole lot of time here. But tip number three is the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And it really comes down to who you're going to listen to. Right. Like at the transfiguration. Um, in the Gospels, when Jesus was, quote-unquote, transfigured, when his figure was changed in front of three of his disciples, this is what God said um, to those disciples there on the mountain in that moment. They said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Or Psalm 1. Again, I've talked about it on the podcast several times. Where do you get your advice or wisdom for life from, right? Like, how blessed is the man who doesn't listen to all the other voices he could listen to in life, Psalm 1 says, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, right? Like, do we love God's word enough to listen to Jesus and to listen to God through his word? Do we carve out space for that? So the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. When I was in grad school, uh, my Hebrew class, my professor decided to take our entire Hebrew class to a synagogue service. Um, and it wasn't an Orthodox synagogue service. It was actually a, a kind of more at the liberal end of the synagogues and and don't need to get into all the details of that. But by and large, it was a synagogue. It was just a practicing kind of Jewish synagogue by culture, but not even necessarily by belief, right? They just did this as culture. And what struck me was at the moment in the service where they were going to read from the Jewish scriptures, uh, the leaders, their music played and the leaders opened ceremoniously the the cabinet in which the the uh, the scriptures were held, they brought out the scriptures, they hugged the scriptures to their heart, and then uh, they danced around the the room with the scriptures before they opened them to to read. And it was symbolic of how central and how valuable and how precious the scriptures are. And remember, these are just practicing Jews by culture, not even necessarily by belief, and yet. The scriptures were, were central to the experience. 
And for those of us who know that Jesus is the fulfillment of those very Jewish scriptures, he's the culmination of that story. And now we've been invited into that story to get to live out that story. How much more precious should the scriptures be to us? How much more should Jesus and his wisdom and his teaching be to us? And so the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. If you are going to experience uh, a walk with God that's deep and meaningful, if you're going to experience the love, joy, and peace that Jesus promises you, well, we can't do that without soaking our mind and our heart and our soul in the Bible. So that's tip number three. Um, You need to somehow carve out space to soak your mind, your heart, and the soul in the scriptures this year. And then the final tip, tip number four for growing in your walk with God this year is this, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Uh, The Apostle John tells us that uh, how can you love God, whom you can't see, if you don't love the people around you who you can see? Just read John's first letter, 1 John. And that theme comes up in multiple different ways, in multiple different places. But literally, he comes out word for word and says that. How can you love God whom you can see, you can't see, if you don't love the people close to you? who you can see. So if you want to grow in your love for God and grow in your relationship with God, then love your neighbor. Um, um, And when we talk about neighbor, uh, we're talking about the people close to us, the people we actually interact with, the people we actually see on a regular basis. You see, it's really easy for us to love all people in general. Oh, I just love everybody. And it's really hard for us to actually love these people in particular, the people close to us, the people who live near us, the people we interact with at the store, at the bank on a regular basis. These people who are near to us, who can be challenging or uh, difficult or who have, uh, you know, who are slow in the checkout line at the store or whatever it is. Right. It's it's easy to love all people in general, and it's hard to love these people close to us in particular. And the word neighbor uh, means those near us. And so love your neighbor. Love the people that we actually have an opportunity to love. That's the whole point of the Good Samaritan story. When you read that story, and Jesus tells us that our neighbor is anybody we have the opportunity to love and care for, even if they're traditionally our enemy, even if there's somebody who's difficult for us to love, even if there's somebody who has um, disliked us or treated us poorly, love your neighbor. And so this year, increase your capacity for and your uh, love for those near you, right? Um, That's one way we can grow in our walk with God. So increase your love for and your care for those people in your own home, your own house, or the people who live on the same street as you, or the people who work in the same office as you. How can you actively care for them and love them as a disciple of Jesus? Do this as a conscious expression of your love for God. And so as you love your neighbor under your breath and in your own heart and soul, do it with the prayer. Lord, teach me to love others like you have loved me. Lord, give me the grace to love this person who is being difficult or annoying. Lord, fill me with your love so that it can spill out all over the people who are around me. Like, do this. Love your neighbor as a conscious, intentional expression 
of your desire to love God. And this will help you grow in your walk with God. So there you have it. Four tips for deepening your walk with God this year. And I pray that as you walk into 2021, that that is the major goal of your life this year. Your goal is to grow in your walk with God. Your your goal is to grow in your relationship with God this year. These tips will help you do that. Again, there's plenty more we could say, but these are four things I'm going to practice this year more intentionally and focus on more fully, and I recommend them to you to help you in your walk with God too. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. As always, I am so grateful to all of you who make this ministry possible by your faithful support through prayer and through your financial donations. If you want to join the team and support this ministry so that it can continue to reach people all around the world with the good news of Jesus, you can do so by going to World Family Mission. I'll put that in the link down below. I hope you guys have a blessed new year as you walk with God into 2021. God bless you guys. I look forward to talking to you again next week.